Gold? Who sees gold? I see nothing but air. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Decrypting Crypto podcast. I'm Matthew House Barbie. As always, I'm here with my co-host, Austin Knight. Austin, you spoke to an old friend of the podcast uh, recently, right? Yes, I was very excited to talk to Taylor Monahan. She's the CEO of My Crypto. We actually brought her on as our first guest on the podcast back in series two, a little over a year ago. Um, and we wow. talked about, yeah. yeah, I know. Can you believe I, that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot that uh, Taylor was our first ever interview as well. I, that, I, it, it, it's going back quite a while now. And I remember the, the interview vividly. But uh, yeah, I didn't realize it was our first ever interview that we did. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And it was quite an interesting interview. We we dug into some pretty meaty topics. In series one, you and I talked a lot about how the UX of interacting with cryptocurrency was fundamentally broken. And Taylor had some really interesting ideas on how to improve that. And that's a lot of what they're working on at My Crypto. So I was really curious to follow up with her on that and talk about how UX around cryptocurrency has evolved and specifically Specifically, we got into what opportunities need to be addressed next. So there's some pretty cool stuff there. We also discussed the common problems that users are running into when interacting with the blockchain. Um, A year ago, we were hearing a lot of things about like losing and not saving private keys, uh, Slack and Twitter scams. At the time, MyCrypto had like this big modal uh, up on the site that you would interact with when, when you first arrived there. And Taylor talked about how she was hoping that someday they could get rid of that. It's still there. So um, we we talked a little (laughs) bit about like how, you know, the the prevention uh, of issues and that uphill battle that they're fighting. And then finally, we also got into some discussion around the centralization of communication about blockchain and cryptocurrency tech and its current state. At the time when we originally talked, a lot of was hap- a lot of conversation was happening in Telegram channels, and that made it harder for people who were first coming into the space to learn and and to get information. So we discussed like how how the space is looking today with regard to communication and information as well. So quite an interesting conversation. It was really exciting to have her back on the show. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I remember in the first interview as well, it was right around the time when, um, for, for any of our listeners that have used MyCrypto, uh, MyCrypto.com, it used to be called MyEtherWallet. And I think we spoke to Taylor right around the time when there was a, um, a change in direction, a change of team, and yes. uh, it broke off and created MyCrypto. So it seems like they've been going from strength to strength. I actually still use MyCrypto, so this is something very close to to my mind the scam piece uh is definitely something uh that is going to be interesting for everyone to dig into especially when you mentioned there austin uh telegram because telegram's upcoming kind of and much anticipated launch of their uh cryptocurrency is is on its way uh so Lots to dig into. Without further ado, let's jump straight into the interview with Taylor Monahan from MyCrypto. Crypto. 
Taylor, it is so great to have you back on the podcast. Uh, as we mentioned in our intro, Taylor is the founder and CEO of MyCrypto, which is one of the leading blockchain interfaces previously known as MyEtherWallet. And she was actually our first guest on the Decrypting Crypto podcast over a year ago. So it's great to be talking to you again. Thank you for coming back. I am so happy to come back. And I am so glad that you guys are still doing this podcast. <laughs> You're so glad that it didn't die an awful death over the course of the last year, as so many things have in the crypto space. <laughs> I mean, I feel like this ecosystem, yeah, I mean, you guys started really uh, sort of at the right at the top of the market. Yeah. And it's only been downhill from there. But <laughs> somehow, um, yeah, I mean, you guys have thrived. And, um, you know, it's 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 a testament to how the ecosystem is in the market conditions aren't necessarily aligned with products and creators. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I take that as a huge compliment. We've stuck with it out of genuine passion, not uh, because of price obsession or you know monetary motivation or anything like that. We, like you, are, are generally interested in the technology. So uh, yeah, it's great to still be here and, and to be chatting again. And I want to take the opportunity to kind of touch back on some of the things that we talked about in our original interview over a year ago um, and, and get your take on them now that, you know, an additional, I think, 14 or 15 months have gone by and a bunch of changes have happened in that time, as you mentioned. The crypto prices have fallen dramatically and then risen again and then stabilized maybe a little bit, stable for crypto standards. Um, but I, uh, one of the things that we discussed a lot in our original interview was this problem of the, the user experience of interacting with the blockchain and with cryptocurrencies uh, and how it was so nascent and it really needed a lot of work. Uh, has anything changed since then? Yeah, I think a lot has changed. I think a lot has improved. Like people have learned lessons, um, mm -hmm. you know, especially around like, sort of expecting users to do bad things or to not understand that they need to back things up, those types of things. Um, you know, not just with our product, with a lot of products, they've, you know, just sort of taken steps up front by default, you know, to make their users and their experience more safe and secure. Right. Um, I will say though that there's like, so there's new issues that are cropping up every day. Um, you know, so when you have, when when the whole crypto experience is basically like you buy your Bitcoin and then you sell your Bitcoin or you hold it or you, whatever, you know, the number of interactions and the number of things that you have to sort of understand and complete successfully, like there's a lot of steps, but it's fairly limited, you know, in comparison to some of the more advanced or, um, uh, like multi-step or multifaceted things that are happening today. Sure, yeah. So, you know, specifically like in Ethereum, when you have dApps, okay, so you're, you know, a lot of the dApps just use like MetaMask or Trust Wallet or, you know, some dApp browser. That's great. Um, you know, they don't have to deal with key security. That's great. Um, but then what are the issues with each dApp or what are the, the sort of points of... Um, education that you need to hit you know mm -hmm. so there's been 
and not just like with dApps, but like all the lending platforms where you, you know, you lend out some of your, your, some crypto and get other crypto and, you know, or maybe you borrow or whatever it is, you know, there's always these core concepts that are maybe not so easy to understand, um, mm-hmm. you know, and like collateral and the fact that you could, if, you know, if you don't have the, that collateral basically like be liquidated, um, you know, what does all this mean? What are the risks? What does the user have to do? What does the user have to do today and tomorrow and the next day? Um, you know, these are the things that are sort of cropping up as as the products actually become, I don't know, products, like things that people right. actually use to do things rather than, you know, a, a thing to hold their money for however long. Yeah. And to be a bit more pointed, I, I saw that you were recently quoted saying that dApps are a hot mess, which I think might might give our, our audience a little bit more of a look at, you know, how, how deep this issue runs. But at the same time, I also know that you're a huge proponent of Ethereum and decentralized apps and, and the potential of that technology. Um, I agree with you, though, that there's, we, we ha- were able to identify a lot of fundamental user experience opportunities with the most straightforward and simple use cases for cryptocurrency. And as the use cases have expanded, so too have the UX problems and opportunities. Um, So certainly it is, this is an ever evolving space for design. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, I mean, I love, I love dApps. I play with them all the time. I I have money in Compound. Like I, I love dApps and I love what's being built. But it doesn't mean that, you know, we should like pat ourselves on the back and call it a day. You know, there's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a lot of room for improvement. And um, still the most popular dApps are sort of financial ones, right? So they're mm-hmm. um, maybe not as speculative as say like ICOs were, but they're still in that sort of same vein, right? You have lending, you have uh, like futures, um, like margin, those types of things. If you think about where we want to be in a couple of years and you think about dApps that, you know, like dApps that could replace Uber or could replace companies as a whole or whatever, mm-hmm. um, these are really complex experiences, but they're also not necessarily financial in nature. So how do we, like, how do you convince uh, someone that your product or your offering or your service is better than, you know, what's available to them elsewhere? And then, like, onboard them to cryptocurrency. Yeah. <laughs> and then come back to, like, okay, and now you can get started with governance or your company or whatever it is. Um, I think it's going to be, like, those are going to be the things that have to be addressed in, you know, as these products get more and more sophisticated, as the use cases expand, and especially as we start seeing dApps that are not directly speculative, financial, derivatives, synthetics, like all of that shit. Yeah, especially in a world where, you know, tech is largely commoditized and tech companies no longer compete on the basis of features or even cost as much as they do on design, usability, and distribution and access to their products, right? Um, and those are things, those are two things, the, the user experience and the distribution of said user experience that I think a lot of crypto tech, blockchain-based tech, still has uh, a long way to go in tackling. 
Absolutely. I could not that's, agree more. <laughs> <laughs> so that's something that you all are thinking about a lot at MyCrypto. I, I know that... Um, you know, if you if you really think about the the huge value prop that my crypto brings to the table, it's like a, a human uh, readable, human inter interactable uh, interface for dealing with the blockchain and cryptocurrency. Uh, are there any UX intensive initiatives that you all are taking on or thinking about right now? Yeah, so we are actually like weeks away from launching our beta of sort of our. Uh, I don't want to call it like a new product, but it's it's really rethinking our existing product from the ground up. Um, and it basically, the easiest way to describe it is right now and historically, like since, since the very first version that we like posted on Reddit, um, <laughs> our product has really been a tool, right? It's, it's a thing, you go to it when you need to do something, like you need to create right. a new wallet, you need to send money, whatever. Some external force prompts you to have this need, and then you come to our product, and then you use our product, and then you leave, and that's it. Like, <laughs> that's the whole flow. Um, <laughs> and we've been thinking about, like, what is valuable in, you know, for cryptocurrency users? What is, you know, how do people get the value out of their, their sort of their holdings, right? Because, again, not just with our product, just in crypto in general, a majority of the quote-unquote things people are doing uh, like aren't like they aren't actually doing anything like they're just holding or you know yeah. maybe they'll trade every once in a while they're moving from an exchange to a wallet or back and forth or maybe they're experimenting with some dApps but they're not really using them or getting value from them um, and so when we ask that question you know there's obviously like a huge list right like take any traditional thing in the entire world and you're like and we could do that decentralized or we could add value <laughs> here or <laughs> just add decentralization <laughs> you know like just throw a blockchain on that bitch and call yeah. it a day <laughs> um, but you know that's not that's not really what game I'm, I'm trying to play um but the biggest thing is like so you have all of these really really intelligent people that are building these really sophisticated smart contracts or products or or even like doing like these these weird like double integration Lego building where um, you know you can have like you can use a prediction market over here and you can use the the margin over here and go along on your futures of this you know like all these things mm -hmm. it's super cool um, but it's kind of resulted in this like ecosystem where you have to like you have to go from DAP to DAP. Um, you have to know and kind of track on your own these different dApps and if you need to like stay up to date and add collateral if you're close to being liquidated and you have to, you know, there's all these different things. Um, and the reality is then still most people are just holding their crypto and then, you know, every once in a while they'll send some to their MetaMask and they'll, you know, play around with the dApp and then they'll go on their, their way. Sure. So we when we asked that question one of the things that we kind of realized was like tokens in ethereum are such a huge thing like each of these tokens represents something in some product or company or project or you know whatever it is mm -hmm. there's a whole spectrum of them you have financial ones you have governance ones you have uh spam ones like literally everything um and if i'm a user and especially if i'm a user who you know kind of got into crypto during the bull run 
I'm probably sitting on a pile of tokens that I have no idea what to do with. I don't really have the um, uh, motivation to figure out what they are. Um, I'm kind of depressed because my portfolio is down like 90%. <laughs> um, you know, and so we said like, well, what can we, how can we get people to like get value out of their tokens? And interestingly enough, um, like literally telling people what they can do with their tokens is like almost one of the biggest problems right now. Um, unless you're very invested in a project and you're keeping up to date and you're sitting in the Telegram channels, like you don't freaking know anything. Yeah. Um, so we've done a couple things. The first thing is that we have um, created a dashboard where you can sort of like view and see all of the different accounts that you've accessed. So you can like add an account and then um, we won't store like the private key or whatever, but it'll, it'll still like your address will stay in the dashboard. Um, mm -hmm. and you can have these like multiple of your accounts that can be on any sort of Ethereum based network. So, you know, Ethereum, Ethereum Classic, the test nets, um, RSK, you know, those types. And then, you know, what can you do with these tokens or what can you do from there? And that's what we're going to be sort of really focused on and doing a lot of experimentation with and a lot of user research on is what you know how can we basically connect people with their tokens yeah <laughs> like make absolutely. me like how do you make a token that's literally like a, a number and a symbol sitting on this dashboard um or like more commonly a pile of numbers and symbols on mm -hmm. a dashboard how can we you know give people useful information about them how can we direct them to say go vote and be involved in the governance for you know, that governance yeah. token that they've been holding for a year and they didn't even really realize the point of it. Um, and there's a variety of ways that we can we can do that. But um, I think to start, what we're going to do is just really simple sort of um, just giving people information. And mm -hmm. then from there, um, we'll be able to sort of suss out what people are actually doing and, and which ones are most valuable and what people are struggling with the most. And then we can basically just like build little interfaces that are super simple that are within my crypto so you don't have to leave we can give people updates on things like their loans or their borrows or their whatever um you know and hopefully over time it'll grow with the ecosystem to be a really sort of like your your single place that you just sort of go and you're like okay here's all my info and also i'm going to learn how to like what the hell this token is that I bought two years ago that I don't even remember. Yeah, absolutely. This is very interesting to me. I think that you've identified a huge user need. Um, one of the things that's sort of daunting about getting into the crypto space is uh, not so much of just like figuring out how to do something, but freaking out about how many things there are that you can do and having this fear of missing out that like, you know, have I really discovered everything that is possible and everything that I can do? Am I really, you know, using my time learning about this technology? Am I spending it on the right things? And I think that there are a ton of really great parallels between like the nascent open web and now the what is still nascent blockchain and cryptocurrency technology just you know years uh years into the the web maturing we can now look with hindsight on 
uh, patterns like directories, for example, and the purpose that they served in introducing people to the open web and saying, hey, there's this huge ecosystem out there. Here's a sampling of all of the things that you can visit and what you can do with those things. Now go forth, right? And without that directory, it's really hard to even discover anything or, or uh, get a sense for what's possible on the open web. Not to liken your product to a directory, but I, I think that like a, a, that sort of treasure map, right? Uh, that's, that's a need that we have right now. Right, exactly. And, and one of the most... I don't know, difficult, but like interesting or, or things that we have to overcome is that up until, I mean, still today. So, you know, from the beginning of blockchain until today, the sort of types of people who have successfully gotten a blockchain typically are um, like intelligent, like college educated or somewhat college educated. Um, you <laughs> college <know>. dropout. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of dropouts, but that's yes. another personality trait. <laughs> <laughs> but they could have, they all could have graduated college, which is, you know, something. Right, yep. Um, you know, they have a tolerance for risk. They typically, um, you know, have some issue with authority or they at least question authority. You have all these different personality traits, right? But yep. one of them that uh, is kind of what's shaped the ecosystem is that um, they're curious. Like, they are down to... Google everything and read white papers and search and listen to podcasts and seek out information and then they enjoy like digesting and analyzing and connecting the dots and talking about it. Um, and that's great, right? But mm -hmm. we have to keep in mind that not everyone uh, is, <laughs> or maybe I shouldn't say that, we shouldn't rely on cryptocurrency's success. Um, like we shouldn't have that be reliant on everyone in the world like falling down the crypto rabbit hole and reading every white paper yeah. um if we do you know we're only going to get the portion of the population that is yeah naturally innately curious and um you know wants to absorb all of the information on sob and that kind of stuff so you know giving people sort of these uh like taking them on the journey and making that journey um, a more singular cohesive experience where it's almost just like put in front of their face rather than them going and googling and youtubing and mm -hmm. reading twitter and you know whatever however people are getting all their information these days you know okay where can we what can we tell people to do or how can we show people stuff that's um that sort of comes to them rather than the other way around. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense to me. Also, just for our listeners, I, I want to uh, note that Taylor and I are both college dropouts. So that was <laughs> that was where the, the, the observation came from. And it is true that there are a lot, interestingly, a lot of dropouts, a lot of tinkerers in the, the crypto yeah. space. But there yes, really I, are. Yeah. are. I, I think you're totally right, though. That's, you know, that's basically what the audience and user base is limited to right now because of the barrier to entry. You mentioned uh, a little while back, you said that you noticed that, you know, people were exchanging tokens, holding on to them. I'm curious about that. Like, how do you see people using MyCrypto? Are, are they spending their tokens or is it mostly just exchanging token to token, holding on to currency, that type of thing? Yeah, so there's sort of a couple different, um, I guess, use cases or ways people are using it, like right now. So, and by right now, I mean like very sort of recently. 
um, because obviously in the past we saw like the ICO craze was just insane. Um, even the post ICO craze, there was a lot that the activity was different. But what we're seeing today is a lot more, um, I guess, settled sort of like it's not a frenzy of activity. It's not FOMO. It's not people moving too fast and losing all their money. Um, the actions people are taking are much more deliberate and mm -hmm. intentional. Um, and there's the people that don't know what they're doing really aren't doing anything right now where, you know, we, we talk to people and they're okay. Like what was, when was the last time you used my crypto? Oh, well, um, you know, the paper that I had written my private key on two years ago, like was old and I didn't like it. And so <laughs> I basically like spent the afternoon and moved everything to new cold storage and backed up everything and that kind of stuff. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, but that's, that's the sort of like types of interactions, right? Like they, it's something very, very deliberate. Um, so it's like the cold storage thing or it's, um, you know, moving sort of maybe large amounts of money or, um, yeah, like it's not, pay you're not paying for coffee with it, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yes, some people are still sort of making, you know, these sort of deliberate trades or engaged in trading and speculation, but not nearly to the extent that we were seeing, you know, a year ago or two years ago. Yeah. Um, and then the other one that's that I've been really kind of like looking into a lot and, and trying to get my head around is um, so the people who've been in the space who are doing stuff with their crypto right now, they sort of have like the same uh, like mechanism or the same setup that you have in real life where you have like your savings account and then you have like your checking account and then you have like your cash in your wallet. Interesting. And with Ethereum... You have like your cold storage, which, you know, is like super cold and safe. And then you have your sort of, I don't know, in between sort of like um, there, there's a, a decent amount of money in there, maybe a decent amount of tokens in there, um, but it's not everything, but it's, you know, more accessible. Um, and then you have like your like play money, right? That, that mm -hmm. cash in your wallet. And... Um, Sometimes that's in my crypto, but right now what we're seeing is that people will then move that to like a MetaMask or something in small amounts or like a specific token, and then they'll play with dApps. Um, and I use the word play because they're not, it's really weird. It's not that they are, it's not that they're like, oh, I want to gain interest on my holdings, so I'm going to, you know, put a whole bunch of money in Compound. Um, I'm sure that there's some people that are like that, but the ones that I'm I'm speaking with aren't. It's more like I heard this compound thing was freaking cool. Let me check it out. Or I heard about you know this new decentralized exchange. Or I heard how easy the Uniswap experience was. So I'm gonna check it out. Um, and it's really interesting because um, that it's. <laughs> If people are using the products to use them and, and experience them and talk about them, it's a very different type of person than the person that's actually going to be trying to get value out of them. Yeah, absolutely. Discovery versus use. Right. And so it's yeah. the same sort of thing. Like when I use Uber, like I use Uber because I want to go somewhere and I don't want to drive. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't use Uber to see what the experience is like, right? I don't, I don't open the app to see what the flow is like. I don't get in the car to be like, let's see how this works out, you know? Right. Like, and, and I feel like that's, um, a lot of it is macroeconomic conditions. A lot of it is just, you know, uh, when the market's down, people are less excited about stuff generally, or, sure. you know, they're, they're excited to talk about stuff, but they're, you know, they're not like throwing money around. Um, but I think a lot of it too is the is is the use cases that have sort of come to fruition so far are um, like it's the first step, and so that's why we're seeing this experimentation playing around sort of thing more than real use is because people are excited about the potential and excited about how these things are going to be comp- combined or integrated or whatever, um, but the experience isn't perfect or ideal right now yeah absolutely it's interesting i know that um we have also and you you quickly mentioned this um a couple minutes ago and we talked about it a lot in our first interview um about how information in the despite the decentralized mantra of the crypto community much of its communications are happening in these like centralized closed communities like private telegram channels um, do you do you feel that this is still a problem? Like, where are you finding interesting conversations happening? Um, yeah, I so I've like pretty much written off like the telegrams and stuff. I just I cannot <laughs> I just cannot keep up to date. It's so hard to suss out information. You know, I'll check it every once in a while. And like, there's there is interesting stuff, but um, it's not the deep conversation isn't happening there either. Um, Twitter is honestly probably one of the most used or the easiest way to get information or see what's hot. Um, However, it's crystal clear that just because people are talking about you on Twitter, it's not converting to like actual use. Yes. You know, so if you look at like the number of tweets regarding any product um, and then you look at like the actual like the DAP analytics, they don't correlate. (laughs) Right. This is going back to the discovery versus use thing, right? There's there's interest around the the technology that's being developed, but perhaps just just to the level of being interested in it to discover it and see what's happening, not so much to like actively use it. Right. And and part of that too is the use cases, right? So if we're talking about I keep going back to lending just because it's it's really like you know there's so many products there's ethereum stuff but there's also other other products and centralized and decentralized and stuff it's it's not very interesting to lend and gain interest on your crypto as Mm -hmm. like a action right (laughs) like um i do not wake up in the morning and go like oh my god i gained a cent of interest on my chase bank account today right, i'm super yeah. stoked on life like let's go um so naturally um you know that that carries over to crypto as well however you know because of the potential because of what it means because this is possible because it's possible in a decentralized way and you know the the payouts can happen all the time and the interest rates can you know fluctuate based on use like all these different things um it is actually more interesting to talk about it than it is to actually you know gain a cent or a die or whatever right yeah 
Okay, so final thing that I want to make sure that we touch on because it was a big topic in our original interview um, was that we discussed some of the common problems that users were facing at the time. There were things like losing or not saving their public keys, um, falling for scams on Slack and Twitter, like the one where, it's, where people say, you give me half of an ETH and then I'll give you five ETH and then of course nothing. <laughs> they never get the five out of it even though there are a bunch of comments like in the Twitter thread saying, oh, I can't believe that I got this. So I just wanted to, to kind of ask you, you know, what, what are some of the big issues that you see users facing today? Are, are these things still a problem? Um, are there different problems? What's happening? Um, yeah, so definitely, so like, yeah, the, the giveaway scams, the like, send me 0.1 and I'll give you five, like they're still happening um, and they still will catch people somehow. Um, they're not nearly as, as prevalent as they were, but again, probably due to like sort of the market conditions. Um, it, it does surprise me that they're still around. Um, phishing yeah. is, yes, it, phishing is still a thing. Um, there, I think that we've seen the biggest sort of thing that we've seen is that, and this, it makes complete sense when you think about it. So phishing and giveaway scams are sort of targeting noobs and people that are desperate and FOMOing and greedy and, you know, right. don't think twice, right? And so it makes sense to use those scams um, when the ecosystem is full of people like that. However, you know, if you think about who's on crypto Twitter today, who's actively engaged in these communities today, um, they're not the noobs, right? They're, they're the people who've seen these scams for a year and they're like, LOL, bye. Um, yeah. And so we're seeing, we've seen a huge rise in SIM swapping attacks. Um, we've seen a rise in sort of like these more sophisticated attacks. So we've seen things like, um, you know, like how, how people are sort of breaching the actual products themselves um, have, have increased. Um, but I think the SIM swapping is definitely top of mind for me just because it's, it's just becoming more and more of a problem. And like the more that it happens and the more successful it is, the more, you know, the more it's going to happen. It's yeah, not, yeah. It, it just is a terrible cycle like that. Yeah, it is. It's a huge issue. And I saw that uh, my crypto, along with Cypherblade, published a pretty big guide. Um, <laughs> I think it was like a 51 minute read was the, the estimated read time um, to help people prevent SIM swapping or uh, SIM jacking. You called it the SIM swapping Bible. Um, just for our listeners sake, like what is SIM swapping and what do you talk about in, in the guide? What, what prompted you to make that? Yeah, so this guide is, it is a Bible. It is a 51-minute read. Um, <laughs> I would not recommend sitting down and reading it all in 51 minutes, but um, it's, it's basically, it's, it's aimed to be like a one-stop shop, and it's aimed to be like a reference that you can kind of go through um, sort of over time, and it talks about, sort of like introduces you to it, and then there's like a whole, you know, the majority of it is how to protect yourself. And then it's, okay, if you still get SIM swapped, um, what do you have to do right now? So yeah. there's different sort of sections that are that are different use cases. But for those that don't know, SIM swapping is when, um, you know, some malicious actor, some guy somewhere, um, typically like calls up your, your phone provider, so like your AT&T or your T-Mobile, and basically convinces them um, that they are you and that you got a new phone and that they need uh, the number moved to this new SIM card. 
And so what that looks like for a victim, um, like I've been sim swapped, um, is I basically woke up one morning and I didn't have any service on my phone. Hmm. Um, and I had, you know, I had seen this happen to my friends. So I was, I was, it was pretty clear what had happened. Um, but I now have no service on my phone and the hacker now has, um, the ability to do like things like password resets or confirmations yes. or two factor, uh, authentication for any service that I have that's linked to that phone number. So, uh, Twitter is a good example because they sort of still force you to have a phone number. You know, you can reset the password. Google is the one that they go after first just because Google by default has you put a phone number in and most people don't remove it. Mm. So, um, you know, if, if you, I mean, read the guide if you want to like understand <laughs> it in full, but, but the short version is this, um, if you go to your Google account and you forget your password, like legitimately for you forget your password, the way that you recover your account is basically by providing the phone number and then they send you a message like with a code and then you enter the code and you reset your password. That's like all fine and dandy until you realize how easy it is for a hacker to have your phone number and then quote unquote recover your account to them. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second that you're, you know, they're in your Google account, that's when things get really scary because um, a lot of people don't realize like just how much Google has. That mm-hmm. account has uh, all your drive. They have your messaging. Uh, if you're on Google Fi, they have your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, they have your location. They have like backups, and then they have obviously your email, which is not just like your actual email and the content of it, but also, um, guess what? Most services will email you to reset right. your password. Yeah. So, you know, a common sort of path is they get your phone number, they recover, quote unquote, recover your Google account to their, you know, to a password that they know, they go into your Google, and then they basically start doing password resets for all the exchanges, Coinbase, um, mostly Coinbase, and um, and just go as, as hard as they can, yeah. right? Until and this is- they're stopped. <laughs> This is happening to like huge figures. Like I think that this recently happened to Jack Dorsey, the mm-hmm. the CEO of Twitter. Um, a bunch of YouTube channels are getting like mm-hmm. deleted. Uh, fi- like with mil- YouTube channels with millions of subscribers are getting <laughs> people are getting sim swapped and having their channel deleted overnight. It's really become a huge problem. And I think that something that people miss, especially those that are not super technically inclined, which is basically zero percent of our audience, but whatever. Um, is is that hacking is is not today is not typically some you know person like sitting in a dark basement with a bunch of screens with like green text <laughs> on it and like figuring out a, you know where the back door is and breaking some code it's it's actually just social engineering like what you described is you you know it is a form of hacking but it's not very it's not quite as technical as it is social Exactly. This is, and and this is why, um, similar with like phishing sites, or sorry, not with phishing sites. So with phishing sites, you have to have some technical ability, right? You have to like be able to code a website, write Mm -hmm. server that steals the private keys, whatever. With the giveaway scams, anyone can do that. Like anyone that's listening to this, my mother, in theory, could write a tweet that says this and attach an address, right? And that's why they're so prevalent. In the same vein, Sim swapping is available to any sort of inclined malicious party, not just the technical ones, right? Because the reality is like anyone can reset a password. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's no, it's it's um, it's crazy. And it's it's not only big figures like um, they are going after really, really high profile people. Um, there's I know the YouTube thing is like is pretty new, but getting some attention. It used to be Instagram influencers. Like, was a really popular target. And then, obviously, crypto people. So, there's the big investors, the big people that have a ton of money or the traders. But because the sort of number of people trying to sim swap, right, the number of malicious hacker dudes, um, the pool of people that are attacking also expands. So, you know, they'll go after anyone who's in the space um, you know, I know people that don't really have like a huge public, like they're not, they're not big people. They, they literally were like, I'm not, I don't even understand how they picked me. And I'm like, well, if there's enough of them out there, like, you yeah. know, they, yeah, you're not an influencer, but that doesn't mean you don't have crypto. And if they know that you have crypto, then you're a target period. Right. Absolutely. So, uh, we will link to the guide in the description. It's, it is a long read, but it's very worth taking the time to read it. I learned a lot about uh, how to protect myself from sim swapping, and I was also convinced uh, in like the third paragraph, I think, you, you have a quote that's like, but I'm not famous, nobody's gonna target me. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you need a reality check. So uh, if anybody that's listening is, is interested in learning about that, we'll provide that in the description. Other than that, Taylor, this has been great. I really appreciate you coming back onto the show, sharing more of your knowledge with us and telling us about some of the cool plans that you have for my crypto. Uh, if our listeners want to get in touch with you directly, what's the best way to do that? Um, Twitter. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, either at my crypto or my Twitter's still terrible for podcasts, but it's at TayVano underscore. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, and I just wanted to drop a note as well. Like this guy, this one, Sim Swapping Bible, it was a massive collective effort by like basically everyone on my team, Rich from Cypherblade, uh, Harry, our own blockchain Batman, Ray Redacted gave us some sick feedback on it. Cool. So uh, I did not sit and write a 51-minute article by myself. There were a lot of people that contributed their knowledge and reality checks, and it's. Um, I'm so glad that we took the time to put it together because it's really, really, really valuable to anyone in this space. Yeah, I'm glad too. I'll be sending it on to some of my less tech-savvy friends and my mom and stuff like that. <laughs> I think it's, yeah, it's, it's something that people aren't aware of, and, and I certainly appreciate you all going through the gargantuan effort of putting that together. And I appreciate you coming on the show with us here today. It's, it's always great to have you on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and want to show your appreciation to myself and Matt, give us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting platform. We really appreciate that. You can also visit thecoinoffering.com to learn more about cryptocurrencies, get caught up on some news, see how your currency is performing, and you can follow us on Twitter at thecoinoffering as well as email us at podcast at thecoinoffering.com if you'd like to get in touch. The contents of the Decrypting Crypto podcast should not be used and are not intended as investment advice. 
please do your own due diligence before making any investment, cryptocurrency or otherwise.